The Information Security Forum is out with its annual Threat Horizon report, this time looking ahead to 2018. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be joined once again by Steve Durbin. He's Managing Director of the Information Security Forum. Welcome back, Steve. Thanks so much for having me again, Eric. The report seems fairly pessimistic. It states the ability to protect IT is progressively compromised. New technologies that are so key to everyday activities results in expanded, a more complex threat landscape. And governments are becoming increasingly interventionist, justifying their actions as combating organized crime or deterring anti-competitive practices. Reading this makes one want to just disconnect. That would certainly be one solution, Eric, wouldn't it? But unfortunately, it's not something that we can do. Every business that I talk to today is connected in some way, shape, or form, and indeed is increasing that level of connection, as we're seeing in the Threat Horizon series of reports. Certainly, we've seen a general increase in the complexity of the threat landscape, and certainly some of the themes that we've picked up perhaps one or two years ago, they're still here. From a security professional standpoint, it is becoming more challenging. We are having to be a little bit more perhaps critical of the way in which we look at our use of technology. And I think that's what you're beginning to see in some of the predictions we're coming out with now. But, you know, let's bear in mind, these predictions are really trying to put some extra weaponry into the armory for the security professional so that we can anticipate some of the challenges we're going to be seeing. Well, let's talk a little bit about the report. It's broken into three themes. One, technology adoption dramatically expands the threat landscape. Two, ability to protect is progressively compromised and three governments become increasingly interventionist. Each theme has three subtopics, but we only have time to explore one subtopic in each category. Let's start with the subtopic, technology adoption dramatically expands the threat landscape with the subtopic of opaque algorithms compromise integrity. How so and how can organizations mitigate the threat posed by these algorithms? Organizations certainly are increasingly using algorithms to maximize their efficiency. We're very much more dependent, I think, these days on not just, I would call, original software, but we're also building other applications on top of that. And very often, I think, we're, we're unaware, perhaps, of some of the, I don't want to say backdoors, but certainly some of the potential loopholes that might exist in some of that base software. And so we don't have this transparency into how algorithms potentially will interact. And that presents some, some significant information security risks. So um, what can we do about it? And I think that's the, that's the important piece because we're not going to stop our dependence on these things. If anything, in fact, it's going to increase. I think what we can do is we can begin to look at our uh, algorithm control systems and try to identify the exposures that we've got there, particularly for organizations perhaps that are working in the industrial control system space, but others as well, uh, and really try to, to understand perhaps where there is uh, still a need for some human involvement in the way in which we're managing these systems. And then the other uh, route for uh, uh, really addressing this is to Perhaps identify alternative ways of, of treating some of the risk from algorithm-related incidents. So this is really trying to come up with some playbooks as to how we would respond in the event that some of these algorithms went wrong. And, and certainly when we talk about you know algorithmic-based threats, we're referring to things like the Treasury bond flash crash. That's when, on October 15, 2014, the price on 10-year U.S. Treasury bonds plunged by 16 basis points in roughly 12 minutes before quickly rebounding. 
that sort of thing that suddenly comes from nowhere has a significant impact on a business and then we're, uh, we're, we're left sitting trying to pick up the pieces. This is a key challenge given our dependence on software and system. Next, let's talk about the ability to protect is progressively compromised. One subtopic is titled Cyber Insurance Safety Net is Pulled Away. What do you mean by that? I think we've seen a lot of organizations really taking on cyber insurance as a means of ensuring that come the day when a breach takes place, they at least will have some form of insurance behind them to compensate for what's been going on here. What we're seeing now, however, is uh, large data breaches have resulted in insurers suffering significant losses uh, as a result of a mispricing risk. It's as simple as that. I think that the way a lot of insurance policies have been let in this space has been based on the well-tried actuarial approach that has said, let's look back in history to see exactly what sort of risk we might be carrying and therefore arrive at a price. In cyber, of course, that's very difficult to do because cyber is changing so very rapidly and we're all looking forwards as opposed to, to backwards. So what we're starting to see here is insurance companies become just a little bit more circumspect about the products that they're offering. Certainly we're seeing premiums increase and we're also seeing them being a little bit more selective and precise about the areas of a data breach that they will be covering. The cyber insurance policy that I think that perhaps we had imagined might be our safety net, say, even two to three years ago, is not disappearing, requiring us to reassess some of our risk management strategies and to examine very closely those policies, to look for some of those potential exclusions, and then to put in place some of our, uh, our other risk mitigation solutions around those to compensate. Insurance is not an end-all for uh, mitigating risk by any measure. No, absolutely not. I, I don't think anyone's ever viewed it that way. I think that it was viewed as being come the day when, when the worst does happen. At least we've got some insurance that will uh, compensate to a certain extent. Imagine trying to set a premium or indeed trying to cover the risk related to things like brand image or uh, lost reputation. Very, very difficult for an insurer to be able to put a real price on that and indeed you know, to write a policy that's going to effectively be able to, to cover it. And so those are the kinds of things that we're starting to see being excluded. Finally, governments become increasingly interventionist. Is this everywhere or just in certain regions? I think we're starting to see governments everywhere taking a much closer look at what they ought to be doing in terms of trying to, I will use the word control, the way in which we are using technology, the way in which I think vendors might be making use of it. It's interesting for me, you know, I, I travel a lot, as, as you know, and there are very different perspectives, I think, that are emerging on both sides of the Atlantic. I describe the, uh, the U.S.'s approach as being more of a business-centric approach to regulation, Whereas in Europe, I describe it as being a citizen-centric approach to, to regulation. And there are some clear differences between the two there. So when you say business-centric approach, is this something that's maybe more favorable to business? The United States is known for trying to minimize in many respects uh, regulation, at least with the current Congress. Yes, when I talk about you know, a business focus or a citizen focus, I'm thinking in particular about some of the challenges we've had with the uh, safe harbor of late, safe harbor two now, of course, or the, or the privacy shield, depending on, on how you want to refer to it. Contrasting some of that and some of the challenges that, that we've seen with the US and the EU really trying to get their heads together around that, and the upcoming European GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation, which again is focused so very much on protecting the rights of the individual, the rights of the citizen and businesses or corporations having to respond accordingly to that, so, which is very different, I think, from the, uh, the general approach that we've seen uh, of late in the United States. And one of the subtopics under government becoming increasingly interventionist is titled Regulations Fragment the Cloud. 
How so? Yeah, the cloud, you know, was something I think that most businesses really threw themselves at for very good reason. Very easy to access, cheap, easy access to, to volume in terms of processing power. And we've spread our information all around the world because if we're traveling, we can access it. it it's been a really neat solution. What we're starting to see, though, and we saw this just uh, last year uh, in Russia, in fact, there's legislation coming into to force that required local data to be held in a local cloud. That's changed it very significantly. I think that some of the other regulations that I was just referring to coming into for uh, across the EU, for instance, where organizations really need to understand where their data is at any one point in time, understand who it's being shared with, how it's being protected, how it's being treated when it comes to end of life, and also have to provide access to it if requested by data subjects. That is really causing some challenges within the cloud environment that certainly cloud providers have been working to try to address. And Microsoft has done some, some great work in this space, as indeed have, uh, have others, in terms of trying to set up a more localized clouds that provide that degree of transparency to users so that they can begin to understand where their information is at any one single point in time. And that's going to become much more necessary as we go forward. And uh, some of the regulations we've been talking about will, will certainly bring some teeth to bear in, uh, from a regulatory standpoint anyway in terms of making sure that the corporations are able to not just handle the data but prove that they've handled it effectively. So are we in a situation where businesses and other organizations must rely on the providers to to set up servers in uh, different countries where they operate? Yeah, I think they are. But the onus is clearly on the owner of the data, on the organization rather. And the fact that it's held in a cloud does not mean that you're not responsible for it. And this is the real issue. So, so there is a need, I think, for businesses to be working very much more closely with their cloud providers and with their service providers in this particular space. And there's some work uh, ongoing there. But certainly when we look forward two years, we don't see that threat moving away anytime soon in that kind of time frame. Thanks, Steve. Pleasure as always, Eric. That's Steve Durbin of the Information Security Forum. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.